ladies and gentlemen, Cardinal fans of all ages, welcome to Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score. I'm Chris Grace. I'll be your host, joined every week by current Wesleyan Athletic Director and former head football coach, Mike Whalen. Each week, Coach and I will interview some of your favorite former Cardinals and find out exactly what they've been up to. Without further ado, it's time to check in with the coach, Mike Whalen. It's Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score, your official Wesleyan University podcast. As always, Chris Grace joined by the coach, Wesleyan Athletic Director Mike Whalen, and our producer Mike O'Brien is with us. You'll be hearing from him shortly. Coach, we've got another great guest. And, you know, throughout the weeks since we've been doing this, I guess it's been months, um, we've had some really accomplished people. We're talking about presidents and CEOs. We're talking about executive producers. We're talking about champions in their own right. But we have never had anyone on an individual level that has accomplished what this person has at their time, during their time at Wesleyan University. Tell everyone about our guest coming up in today's podcast. Well, she is a five-time NCAA champion, four-time individual singles, one-time doubles, uh, and then another time finalist in doubles. Um, and uh, she is the, she was awarded the Division Three Honda uh, Female Athlete of the Year nationally for all of Division Three, and she is the one and only Judith Chong and class of 2018 and uh we are so excited to have her on our on our uh, podcast tonight and uh uh it's actually uh a day of head she's she's 12 hours ahead of us and she's agreed to get up early for us to to be able to do this podcast so really looking forward to catching up with Eunice. yeah and, and we're gonna talk to her about all sorts of things but really you know coach since i've been affiliated with wesleyan which has been you know going on three or four years now um, we've seen a lot of the programs, you know, go it, it rapidly to the top of the national landscape. But this one person single-handedly started that trajectory for the women's tennis program. And really, we'll talk about it, but but led to where they are now, which is one of, if not the premier program coming off of their 2019 national championship. And I can't wait to hear from her. And I know, Coach, you've experienced it from an athletic uh, director's perspective. Um, she made a huge impact in developing this this women's tennis program in Middletown? Absolutely, no question about it. And I still, to this day, you know, my, my, my question I ask Coach Freed all the time is, how do you graduate the single best tennis player ever to play the game in Division Three, and then the next year win the national championship without her? I mean, that, that, that's just amazing. But again, it, it, it's, it goes back to your point, Chris, in terms of, in terms of, you know, you just paving the way for, uh, you know, for, for Coach Freed to build that national caliber program and, and attract, you know, great players from all across the world to come to Wesleyan University in Middletown, Connecticut and play for the Cardinals. And uh, she is, you know, again, a first class individual. We're so proud of her. Uh, and, uh, and, and I'm really looking forward to, to spending some time with her tonight. Yeah, we're going to catch up with Eunice in just a couple of minutes. But first things first, everyone is dying to hear from the producer, Mike O'Brien. Mike, tell everyone how they could be a part of Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score. To all of our new listeners out there, um, you can follow Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, you can also find the podcast on the Athletics website, the Wesleyan University SoundCloud channel, 
and uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're also looking for feedback on ways to improve the podcast or any interview suggestions. Uh, so if you're not on social media and would like to reach us, you can email athletics at wesleyan.edu. That's Mike O'Brien. He's our producer. Make sure you give him some grief for not talking more during our podcast. But first things first, we want to focus in on our guest today. She is quite simply the greatest women's Division Three tennis player of all time. The only player at any level to win four consecutive national singles championships. That's right. There was no learning curve for her. She won four out of four. And it is now time to welcome in class of 2018 Wesleyan alum, Eunice Chong. Tonight we've got a special guest. This young lady has won not one, not two, not three, but four NCAA championships. I said NCAA championships. She is a current professional tennis player. Oh, and by the way, she also won an NCAA doubles championship. Coach, that's right. Tonight we welcome in class of 2018. Yudis Chong is joining us live at 9 a.m. across the ocean. It's the next day for her because she's in Hong Kong. Yudis, welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Great to see you, Yudis. Great to see you. So, Yudis, what we like to do to start things off is we like to figure out kind of how you made your journey to Middletown, how you ended up at Wesleyan. So what all of our guests would like to know is, how does one go from Hong Kong to Middletown, Connecticut? So I first started my whole, um, I think, college process, I think first going um, to the Yale Showcase. I think that's how it all really started. Um, I talked to um, um, Mike Donovan. I think I'm, I'm not sure you guys know of him, but he was helping me with the whole recruiting process. And I think um, going to the Yo Showcase, I was able to really uh, meet a lot of the coaches that contacted me either through email or sometimes um, Facebook too. Um, and that's where I got to meet, I think, a lot of the coaches. And they, um, I mean, some, some, some made offers, some asked me to go visit. And I think um, Wesleyan, I think, was the first, first or second school that I visited. And that's when I met Coach Reed, um, and he was, you know, very excited for me to be there. And I loved the whole atmosphere at Wesleyan as well. And I met some of the people there, you know, not anyone on the team, because I went during the summer, and everyone, I think, was at home or doing their internships. Um, but I think that's when I really um, started to fall in love with the campus. And I think um, after my visit to Wesleyan, I was like, I'm done. I was like, I don't need to visit any other school. Um, because I was, I was pretty sad on it. And then after I think I visited some of the other schools, that's when I like, I don't, it kind of confirmed my decision that I wanted to go less. Yeah. But, but, but you just, I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that, 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 um, you know, was, was clear when you visited Wesleyan was what you modestly alluded to was there was a lot of other schools in the mix and, and someone of your talent and, and your ability, you know, obviously the, the division one, you know, lure was, was there. And so, so just tell, you know, talk to us a little bit about, you know, how you came to, you know, kind of the decision of, you know, that of why you felt, you know, a place like Wesleyan was, was, was the right fit for you. 
So initially, I think I was actually looking at more D1 schools. I didn't really consider any D3 schools. Um, I, and I think Coach Reed was one of the first um, coaches that I think um, contacted me that was a D3 school. And I didn't really know much about the school, but my dad did. And he said, wow, like he had, um, I think, a couple um, friends that went to Wesleyan from law school that he knew of. And he thought, like, he knew he, he knew that Wesleyan was a very good school. So he um, definitely told me to keep my mind open and not kind of just shut it out because it's a D3 school. Um, and then once I think I got to talk to Coach Reed more and I think to visit the school, I realized that um, as much as I, I knew that um, I wanted to play professionally after I was out of college. Um, and I think a big part of why I wanted to go to a D1 school was because I wanted to keep my training up and make sure that once I did want to play professionally that um, my tennis wouldn't have gone, you know, like been a little worse than where I started. But um, I think as I got to visit more D3 schools and I think talk to Coach Reed, I realized that um, I didn't really want my whole college career or college experience to be revolving around tennis. And I wanted, you know, to have a full um, college experience where I could experience other things, um, spend time with my friends and not have to um, take classes, I think, around my tennis training. And I think that was, I think, a big thing for me that I wanted to take classes where I was interested in and then didn't have to worry about it clashing with anything else because, you know, it was uh, the same time as my, my lifts or my training. So um, I think that was a big thing. And then for um, specifically Wesleyan, I think it's because, you know, I just really loved the atmosphere. The people there um, were all, I think, a lot more genuine in my, in my perspective when I visited um, versus some of the um, other campuses that I visited. I felt like, I don't know, the, the environment wasn't as nice and people weren't, I think, as friendly and it didn't, wasn't as welcoming to me um, when I visited. I think that's a great point because, you know, a lot of the things that Coach and I love about Division Three sports is that you've got big-time athletes, but they're playing because they love the sport. Most Division Three athletes don't have professional aspirations like you have had. So you're going to get people who are playing the sports because they love them. And you're going to get people who aren't putting on a facade because they're not trying to trick you into joining their program. You're getting people who are going to give you the actual authentic experience. So it seems like you made a very sophisticated decision at an age when most people don't do such things. And, and clearly it worked out for you and for Wesleyan in the long run. Yeah, I think, well, I think the thing was that my parents also played a big part, a big, big role in that because they, I think kind of understood how um, I was thinking and they had kind of, they never gave me any pressure to you know, decide for any schools for me, but they always gave me like good advice about, you know, how um, my college experience should be. And, you know, to go to a school that I genuinely did love and not just because for the, it's for the name or for the title or, you know, any other thing that, you know, could hinder um, my decision. So, so you're just, um, this is probably going to be one of the, you know, 10 or 12 times that I embarrass you on this, on this podcast, but just for our viewers uh, and our listeners, um, g give our listeners an idea of what, where you were ranked. What was your ranking in high school? I was ranked about two hundred in the world. And and so in in I know I I can't remember exactly what the the statistic Coach Free gave me when when you know you had decided you were coming to Wesleyan, but it was somewhere in the neighborhood of. You know, there was 150 or so, like, considered top, top players, of which you were one. 
And of those 150 that chose to come to the United States to play tennis, there was one that chose Division Three. Was that accurate? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. I mean, that, that, that's pretty amazing when you think about that. You know, when you when you think about the fact that you know all these other kids went and played D one, but yet you know, you know, for 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 reasons that you've just explained to us, you know, you were you were kind of the, the person that said, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna go my own way," and felt confident enough in that decision that you could achieve what you wanted to achieve academically, achieve what you wanted to achieve athletically, and then go on to pursue, you know, a professional tennis career after, which is, again, I think, you know, to Chris's point, very, very impressive at a young age that you would be able to, to kind of, you know, to, to navigate that process. And as you say, your parents played an instrumental role, but the other person that I want to talk about is, is coach Freak in terms of, you know, here he is, he takes over this program and it's, you know, it's definitely, uh, you know, a rebuilding program in, in a, in a very, very, you know, the most challenging conference in the country. Like what, what did you see at that time that, that led you to believe that you could come and it's kind of a, uh, you know, you know, if you build it, they will come sort of thing. Like, you know, like, uh, so, so what, what did coach Freed say to you to make you believe that, that, you could come to Wesleyan and help us build, you know, a national championship caliber program. Well, I think that um, the biggest thing he said to me was probably just that if I do come, like it's, it's going to be, <clears throat> I think a good experience for me, first of all, but also that I would be helping to, you know, um, build a program and ha make a difference. I think that was the biggest thing. Cause um, I always, I always said that, you know, like I want to be someone who can make a difference and not someone just as kind of, part of um, a team that kind of like goes by the goes by the rules or kind of you know doesn't really get much um, of an impact and I think that's something that I think really stuck with me when he said like you know when I come to the program that I can really make a difference and it's something that I always aspire to do I think in in terms of like goals or like anything that I want to do in the future. So Yudis you you end up at Wesleyan in a, in a conference that is just jam-packed with all of these powerhouse schools that have been dominating division three tennis and you get there, I would have loved to have seen the looks on some of the faces of the number ones when they ran into you the first time. But, you know, in terms of building a program, tennis is a weird sport because you can dominate individually, but then you've still got five and potentially six or seven, depending on how your lineup works, other players that are, you know, relying on your support from a team perspective. So what was it what was it like from the beginning kind of to the end in terms of building the culture for the entirety of the team not just based on your individual success but based on the team success that the Cardinals eventually built during your time in Middletown. Well, I think um for me that the biggest I think impact that we did have was I think I think not just me but with my class that came in um cuz we had one of the bigger classes that came in. I think there were 5 uh, women and four men yeah and I think that really helped with building I think um, a really good team atmosphere because I think coming in as freshmen sometimes you know the seniors or the older classmen might think like oh they're just freshmen you know like they're not they're not they don't really know what's going on yet or how you know what they can really do to help with the team but I think when we came in um, as freshmen I think we really did um, I think step in into a role where we kind of brought the team together and I think 
the team atmosphere was very, I think, I don't know, we were just really wanted to do well as a team and it wasn't um, as individualistic as I thought it would be because playing juniors growing up in, in Asia, like everything was more individual. Like there's nothing really that was really a team event or even did we, if we did travel as a team that like playing for Hong Kong, it, it wasn't, it wasn't the same. And I think um, as we, I think grew up and became upperclassmen, we kind of um, made sure that we also um, <clears throat> hammered that, I think that, um, I don't know, I think that team atmosphere into the, the freshmen that came in. And I think, like, you know, even people, people sometimes ask me, like, how can I graduate and then end up um, having um, the, the, I mean, the class bef um, after me to have, like, win the national champion. And I, I'm just like, well, that's, that's what it is. Like, you know, um, like you, you try to help build a program. It doesn't mean that necessarily that I'll be the one to experience the whole su like success, but I'm happy, you know, to make a difference for the program and have them like, you know, um, get that, get that success from them. Yeah. That, that is my favorite point because, you know, coach, to shift back into our forte or your forte more, you know, football, Peyton Manning was at Tennessee for four years, okay? They changed, he changed that culture. What happened the year after he left? T. Martin won a national championship. Yeah. Similar situation here. But the difference is, Eudis, is that in your case, they also have individual events. So yeah. – so in tennis, when you're building a team, you can do these things on the side. But then the cool thing about the NCAA is, is they have this great team competition. And then afterwards, there's kind of this weird thing where just the top players hang out wherever the tournament is being held and you go about your business. And you're so used to having eight, nine, ten girls cheering you on and your coaches. And then you're kind of on your own. So you've had to balance those two things. What I'd like mm -hmm. to know is kind of how you were able to gain that singular focus when you needed to after kind of putting in that whole team aspect for the team competition? Well, I definitely love the team um, competition more than the individual one um, because, you know, I experienced a lot of the individual um, tournaments, I think on my own, but um, in terms of how I battled it, I think just mostly um, for me, just finding my motivation. And I think that's more that I'm playing not only for myself, but for the school. And I think that's something that kept me um, in check and something that really helped motivate me when I was, you know, maybe down in a set or not playing the best tennis that I could have. Um, and I think that's also something that Coach Reed tries to reiterate as well. If I'm not um, playing, I think, as well as I want to be um, or mentally, I'm just kind of not there. I find I try to find my motivation through um, thinking that I'm playing for something that's more than myself. And I think that helps me. Yeah. And, and think back to, to your freshman year and, and, and mm -hmm. going to the NCAA tournament. And um, do, do you, I mean, typically um, when someone's going to that arena, so to speak, for the first time, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a feeling out, like you, the, there's the unknown, there's mm -hmm. the, you know, the, 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 you know, the question marks, the, you know, looking across and not knowing, you know, some kids who, 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 you know, how did this kid, you know, do against this kid and those kinds of things. There's, it's a feeling out process. But my question, I guess, Yudis, uh, is because you did, you know, kind of grow up playing all those tournaments competitively, was, was, was your freshman year at the NCAA tournament, was it, was it just another tournament or was it 
you know, something that you were really experiencing for the first time and, 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 you know, went into kind of nervously? Oh, definitely. I was super nervous. <laughs> I remember were, going, were you really? yeah, like, I think, I think the first couple of rounds were okay. I, I still played pretty well. Um, I didn't feel the nerves as much, but I think once I got to the semis and the finals, I, I think that was really when the nerves start to set in. Cause I, um, I don't know. I just, I guess the, the finals, I remember, I think I played a three setter cause I, I mean, the, either the first or second set, I'm not sure, but I just like was so, was so nervous. And I was like, Oh my God, what's happening? You know, I never really experienced these type of nerves before when I played um, junior tennis. Um, so it was, I think definitely something that was very different. And I didn't, I know like some people like asked me like, Oh, going into the tournament or, you know, even going to Wesleyan, did you expect to win? Did you, did I know, you know, I was gonna, I was gonna win. And I was like, no, I had no idea. I really just tried to, I know, um, keep to myself and just play my tennis and then didn't really think about something that, you know, such the bigger picture really, and just try to take it match by match. Yeah. So Yudis, I guess my question for you is, you know, as someone who, who's been around tennis my whole life, um, the feeling you get when you're on the court by yourself is different than any other sport. It, not only do you have to be incredibly fit athletically to play tennis because you're out there potentially for two, even three hours, depending on the match and potentially even longer than that. But mentally, you, especially when you're playing singles, you have no one to pat you on the back and you have one person to blame at all times. It's the person that, you know, the thumb is pointing right to at all times. Right. So you must be incredibly mentally tough. I don't care if you are the number one ranked prospect in the country and you go to a division three school, you're playing good players to go four years in a row. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, four years, won an entire draw tournament at the NCAA singles tournament, four years in a row. To do that and to not have one off day, or if you had an off day to be able to fight through, you must have an incredibly tough mentality and probably handle that better than most. So what I want to know is where does your mental background come from? And I'm sure at some point in your tennis background, there was some racket throwing or there was something that you had. (laughs) Because with every great tennis player, there was a time where you got really angry. Then all of a sudden you realized, well, it doesn't make any sense to break my rackets because then I get yelled at and have to find a way to, to get a new one. So what was that moment for you and where does that come from? Um, so I don't really know necessarily where it came from, but I think um, maybe learning from my parents because they were very big on, you know, even if I did lose a match, like when I was younger, it was fine as long as I gave it my all. Um, it was okay even if the result wasn't as good as I expected, but as long as I knew that I gave 100% and I did everything I could to find a way to either win or at least um, figure out a way to, you know, stay in there, then they would never, you know, blame me for anything. I think that's, first of all, how I, you know, um, started to develop my mental aspect of the game. But when you said, you know, that I, you know, stayed calm during all four years, that was definitely not the case. Like, um, I was never a big um, person to, you know, um, throw my racket or really break anything. But I think I remember very clearly, you can ask Coach Reed about this. Um, I think it was my junior year when I played the finals um, in singles. And I think I actually lost the first set. And I think the first set, I just like could not focus. I couldn't concentrate. I didn't know what was going on. I think maybe I was getting a little nervous. I'm, I wasn't sure. But I remember after the first set, um, grabbing my towel 
and going into the bathroom and just screaming into it. <laughs> and I was like, I got to get all my frustration out, you know, and really find a way to buckle down and just focus for the next two sets and I'll be okay. So I think I just, I just, because Coach B didn't know what was going on. He just knew I went to the bathroom. And then after, after the match, he asked me like, like what happened? Like after the first set, you know, you, it's, it seemed like you turned a switch on and you were a completely different person. And I think, um, I think that really helped me with, I think just screaming into the towel, getting out all, you know, um, the impatience that I had, the frustration that I wasn't playing as well, um, or just the situation that I was in. And I think that really just helped me, you know, get into my groove again, but it's definitely not as calm as it seems. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and obviously, you know, to, you know, to, to kind of cap it all off, um, you know, you're, you're, uh, for the first time, you know, so many firsts in, in, uh, for you personally and for Wesleyan tennis, but talk a little bit about, um, you know, playing your teammate in the NCAA championships. I mean, just, just, just kind of, I mean, that was, I mean, I, I still remember to this day when coach Freed called me and he's like, you're not going to believe this. And, and he described it to me like, well, I'm just going to sit back and relax and it's not going to be very stressful. And then after I talked to him after the match, he's, he's like, not Oh relaxed. man, that was more, that was the most stressful match I've ever been through. So yeah. just, you know, talk to our, talk to our viewers about that and, 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 and tell them a little bit about, give them a little insight as to that whole scenario. I mean, I think for me, like as much as like, um, I probably would have felt less nervous because I was playing a teammate. I actually was more nervous because, you know, it was my fourth year and people were kind of, I wouldn't say there was pressure, but I think I, there was a little pressure on myself just to, um, I think to, to win the match, I think, because it was my last year, the fourth year, people were like, oh, you know, you know, um, win for like, you know, all four years. Um, but I think that was definitely one of the most spe special matches that I've played ever you know like now like um sometimes after tournaments like um I get interviews and people ask me like oh like can you like tell us what's the most like memorable or top you know special like match that you've ever played and I usually bring up two and one of them is when I played my teammate uh, Victoria in the final because I you know it was very emotional I think just because it was the last match um of my you know last singles match of my whole college career and getting to play a teammate made it you know, so much more special. And I remember just like after after the match, we were walking to the net and we were both just crying before we got to each other. You know, we just like giving each other the biggest hug. And Victoria was kind of saying like, wow, like you're gonna be gone after this. And like, it still makes me like get, get goosebumps now talking about it. Um, but it's definitely one of the, I think most special matches um, like that I've ever, you know, experienced or ever played in my tennis career. Yeah. yeah. and And, you know, you, you left out a, a little detail, which I'll fill in for you, is the fact that, you know, being, you know, winning your senior year and winning four years in a row was the first time any NCAA mm -hmm. college tennis player won four consecutive NCAA ch singles championship at any level, Division One, Division Two, or Division Three, which is an unbelievable accomplishment. And so I guess you had a little bit of a you know, a right to, 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 to be a little nervous, to be a little yeah. nervous going into that one. Yeah. No question about yeah. it. Um, and then, and then also uh, again, for, for folks that, you know, didn't have the, the good fortune of, of uh, you know, watching you play, ever watching you play or, 
um, following, you know, Wes tennis during your, your, your time at Wes, you know, uh, you know, Vicky was your doubles partner. So you did yeah. win a national championship with, with Victoria as well. And then, you know, um, uh, I think if it, um, yeah, I'm not going to question the rules of, of tennis. However, I do think it was a little unfair that last year after you guys both had played that you then had to turn around and had the quick turnaround to, to play doubles. Uh, we won't get into that. We won't get into that, but, um, uh, you know, clearly, uh, you know, the special relationship that the two of you had, um, and, and, you know, to, 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 uh, to win a national championship as a, as a doubles tandem and then play for a national mm -hmm. championship against each other. That is just remarkable. So, Ladies and gentlemen who are just joining us, it's Chris and Coach Beyond the Box for your official Wesleyan University podcast. Joined, as always, by the coach, Wesleyan Athletic Director Mike Whalen. By the producer, he doesn't say much, but he thinks a lot, Mike O'Brien. And by our guest today, she is class of 2018, four-time NCAA singles champion. You can only go for four years unless you're me and you can go for eight or nine. Um, <laughs> and, and she is a one-time NCAA doubles champion currently trying to work her way up the international rankings on the professional tour. Uh, of course, we're talking about Yudis Chong. Um, Yudis, when, when, when coach was talking about, you know, having to play against your team in the final, that that's, that's unprecedented, but you know, overall, what I look at about your time at Wesleyan is that you got something started that clearly has led to even bigger things from a team in a program perspective. And when you look at the Wesleyan, both men's and women's programs, um, but but for, for your case, we'll focus on the women's program. Um, what they accomplished in 2019 had to make you incredibly proud. Talk to me about where you were and how you watched the NCAA championship when, when the Cardinals finally brought it home. Yeah, so I was actually um, in Korea, and I actually had that was uh, I was on my vacation. I had a couple of days off. I was there um, in between tournaments because I had I think a long um, tournament block right before that. So I was in Korea, and I remember it being I think three or four a.m. there, and I was in bed like like with my glasses. I was just like, okay, I'm so nervous, but I'm also like my eyes are like straining so badly. I was like, I'm so tired, but I have to stay up. You know, I was um, live streaming the whole, the whole match. Um, and I remember like watching um, that last match. I was so nervous. Like the, each rally felt like a like, oh, like hundred years. I was like, come <laughs> on, like finish the point. Someone miss, you know? Um, but I was so excited. I remember um, the last point when the, I think it was the opponent, um, they hit it out and Pauline was just like so like you know so ecstatic and I was like the whole, see the whole team running towards her giving her the biggest hug and I was like oh like I was crying I was so emotional and I just wish that I, I was there too just you know being able to experience it with them but I'm I was so excited for them and I was so happy for the program as well yeah so obviously you know it, it it's sweeter when you're there but in some ways for you I mean, you had to feel like you were a huge part of that because obviously knowing most, if not all of those girls and, and, and knowing that a lot of those girls probably went there because they said, Hey, if I go to Wesleyan, I get to play with a girl who won mm -hmm. one national championship and I get to play with a girl who won two national championships. And then they're the girls who are coming in as freshmen. I get to play with a girl who won three national championships. 
And then the girls who come in when you're a senior say, I get to meet a girl who's won three national championships and is about to win four. Those are all things that, that have to help recruiting. And coach, you could speak on this more than I can, but also program building. And, and they can't do that without someone like you with your pedigree that was able to kind of create that program. So obviously you had a huge factor in that and getting to experience that must've been super special. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was. I think, I think what the biggest thing was like I said earlier, just like hoping that I can make an impact somewhere um, and not just do it for myself. Um, and it's, it's something, you know, bigger than myself as well. And I think um, seeing them win the national champion, it was just, I, I was over the moon. I was like, wow, like this is something that I helped create and hopefully, you know, can leave a legacy behind and have them also be a part of the legacy that they leave behind as well for the program. So before we before we dive into you know the whole professional scene and 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 you can give us you know the uh, as to, to what goes into your preparation and training today, uh, the I, I did wanna I did wanna mention um, another uh, you know just just little line on the resume that you have um, with <laughs> regard to um, being the uh, Honda Division Three. Uh, female athlete of the year and having the opportunity that I had to go out with you and coach Freed to California to, to that award ceremony and um, you know, seeing uh, some incredible women from all across the country and all these different sports that were, you know, you know, the, the very, very best, the, the cream of the crop, the, 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 at division one, division two, division three, you know, the, 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 um, you know, just, just every single one was, was so impressive. Um, but I have to say that when you got out there and spoke and, and, you know, I, I, and I know coach Freed felt the same way I did was, you know, there wasn't anyone in the room that could deny that, you know, that, that you were clearly one of the more impressive young women that were, you know, that were, that were being honored at that banquet. And, you know, from, from an athletic director and a certainly head coach for coach Freed to have that opportunity to be with you and share that moment with you was, was pretty special. So, you know, just talk about that whole experience and, 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 you know, your memories of, of that trip. Uh, well, I was, I was in Hong Kong before I flew out for that. So I flew, I think back from Hong Kong to LA, I think I was only there for two and a half days. <laughs> So I, I, I've never done a trip like that um, ever. I think just like that short and just, I think literally flying across the country. I'm not across the country, the world, sorry. Um, and it was like a, uh, I think 14, 15 hour flight there and the same thing back. And I was only there for two days. So I was like, oh my gosh, like what is this? But I think it was very, I think humbling to see so many um, different women from, I think different athletes from um, you know, all these different schools, all these different backgrounds um, from different sports as well. And just seeing, I think, some of the, the athletes that have accomplished so much already in their in their either um, college career or their just professional career. And I think um, I think I, I was pretty inspired to, you know, to keep continuing to pursue, I think, my goals and what I wanted to do. Um, but I remember going there and I don't really get I usually get interviewed I think a decent amount but I never had to you know get my full hair like full hair done makeup and just like getting all that done feeling so pampered um and just like I remember like 
it was live broadcasted on TV and I was so nervous. I was like, if I mess up, there's no going back. Cause like usually <laughs> interviews, like they record you and you, you say the wrong thing. Okay. They, they, they tell you like, you can, Oh, you can go back and say it again. You can cut it, you know? And that was, nope, it was one shot. You say something wrong, it's over. <laughs> or you trip. I think the, the biggest thing I was scared of was walking onto the stage and tripping somehow. <laughs> but luckily that didn't happen. And I think, um, I don't know, it was just a very humbling experience getting to see just, you know, so many different athletes that already have so much success in their sport or in their career. Yeah. Well, you just talk to everyone right now, kind of, you know, we, we've, we've, tried to cover most of your college career and obviously there's a lot there but but talk about you know kind of you know the post the post wesleyan experience like what you're doing now but but more so kind of the day-to-day grind and obviously currently things 2020 has been different for everyone especially in the sports world tennis has not missed out on that but talk about kind of your grind from when you finished in 2018 to where you are now and, and fill in all the blanks you want, if you'd like with what's been going on in 2020, but, but really what it's like trying to make it in tennis, because it's not like other sports where you get drafted and you have a chance to sign on with a team. Really a lot of tennis players, they don't get a chance to even play in the biggest tournaments because you don't have that opportunity. So it's really, really hard. And there's so many good players. So kind of try to enlighten everyone on the process and what you've been dealing with. Well, so I think the, Right after I graduated, I took about a week off, maybe maybe two weeks max off from tennis just to, you know, wind down and get myself ready. I think just like a little break. Um, but right after that, I think I already started um, playing a bunch of um, international tournaments because um, in 20, August 2018 um, was the Asian Games. And that's once every four years. And that for our country is a pretty big deal. Um, so I couldn't. I couldn't afford to take too much time off just so um, I could stay fit um, and ready to play that tournament. Um, and I think I, I'm also very lucky because um, I get funded by the Hong Kong Sports Institute to go travel um, and train as well. And I think that's, I think financially that's something that has helped me a lot because I don't have to, you know, really um, worry about it or have it in the back of my mind saying, thinking about like, you know, how, um, how stressful that would be just to have to, you know, think about instead of just just competing and um, performing my best to also have to think about, you know, um, how I'm going to like, you know, be able to fi- um, financially be able to, you know, be stable and also just to be able to have enough to help me travel so much. But I think in 2019, um, I've traveled and played, I think, about 28 tournaments um, in 2019. So that's like basically 28 weeks of the year um, that I'm traveling and playing tournaments. And all the other times I'm, I usually have either off season, December, that's um, a three to four week training block that I have. And also another, I think three to four week training block in the middle of the year where I kind of come back and get fit again and and get ready to go travel again. Um, And 2020 has been very, very different, I think, because the last tournament that I did play was in March. Um, And then Recently, I just played two local tournaments, um, and that just happened in the past three weeks. So that was the first tournament that I played um, since March, and that's something that you know um, I have never experienced. Because even in juniors, like I would travel every one or two months to go play a tournament. It might not be a lot, but still, like this is the longest time that I've really like been in Hong Kong and haven't been traveling. Um, and 
in terms of my day to day, I train about five to six hours a day, um, six days a week. Um, Saturdays are a half day. So that's usually about three hours maybe. Um, but every other day is, is a pretty big grind. I have two tennis sessions and two fitness sessions per day. Um, and it's either, you know, um, the gym or cardio, um, core, uh, running, agility, all that stuff. And also just like um, tennis training as well, it depends on what we're focusing on, but it can be um, working on technical things or um, really just sometimes just running side to side and just making sure that our, my cardio is up um, and my endurance is there. Cause sometimes, you know, you never know matches can last for three hours at a time. Sometimes if you play well and you're lucky, it can also just be an hour. So it really depends and you have to be really ready for everything that gets thrown at you. Now, yeah. you, now you know that, that coach Desenzo still takes credit for your fitness level. <laughs> yes. um, so I want you, I want you to share that story with our listeners uh, about um, how you approach the head football coach and ask him to, to put you through some workouts. Well, I, um, I think my, I think it was the spring of my, my senior year. I, um, I was basically done with all my credits and I was like, Oh, you know, I'll take some like fun classes or like, you know, like um, take classes that I'm really interested in and really just want to have fun. And I saw that in one of the PE classes, there was plyometrics. And I knew, you know, like for tennis, plyometrics is something that's very important, you know, agility and power as well. So I, um, I decided to sign up for the class and I walk into the class and it's um, Coach Desenzo and he's like, you know, kind of pushing us through, I think it was a 40, 40 minute class. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, like 40 minutes, I'm like, ah, this is not too bad. You know, like I, I, I can like, you know, handle it. And then I think after the class, he asked me like, you just like, do you want to like do a little extra just like, you know, to push me or just to work on things that I want to. So I was like, yeah, sure. Like, like he was like, okay, we can just do an, an extra, like, you know, 10, 15 minutes. And I was like, okay, no problem. He told me to start running. And I think the first like two minutes I was like, Coach, I need to take a break. I can't breathe. This is too much. <laughs> and because I think the, the 10, 15 minutes that he did work with me, he really pushed me a lot more than um, when I was in the class with other students because I was just a one-on-one. -on -one. I didn't really get much rest, much break. So I think first two minutes in, I was like, ah, like, you know, I'll be fine. Two minutes in, I'm just like, coach, I can't breathe. <laughs> I need water, I need break. <laughs> yeah, but um, it was nice because I think, um, sometimes, you know, like we're usually um, practicing with our, our our team and we don't really get to meet some of the other coaches from other sports. And I think um, that was really nice just to get to know a bit about Coach Desenzo and then also um, Coach um, Drew Black as well. When we sometimes did the morning workouts with him, um, like our 7 a.m. workouts, that was nice. And also just to be able to meet them and talk to them about their sport and how their athletes are doing as well is really nice. Yeah. So, so Yudis, um, now, now that, uh, hopefully, hopefully 2020, well, 2020 is definitely coming to an end, but hopefully with 2020 coming to an end, we can get back to some normalcy as we move forward. I know everyone who listens to our podcast is hoping for that as well. So coach and I could broadcast some live sports together in the near future, <laughs> but, um, with, with things hopefully becoming more normal, um, what is your goal for 2021, both professionally and personally? What, what are your goals here? Uh, what, what is it that you're looking to achieve on, on, a, on a tennis level in singles and in doubles? What are the things that you're looking to accomplish? 
Well, I always say that my, I mean, the first goal that I do have is to qualify for the Grand Slams. Um, and I think that's something that I'm still trying to pursue. Um, and I'm, I, I think I'm, I'm getting pretty close um, for singles. Cause usually for singles, um, the cut for some of the, um, the qualifying draws are about 250 and right for singles. And right now I'm ranked um, 350. So I'm pretty close, I think getting there. And also uh, I think for doubles it's a little tougher just because the draw is smaller. Um, but that's still something that I would, I would love to experience. And I think that's something that I still, um, yeah, really look towards um, for that. And as well, I think the even bigger one, one step forward was, would probably be the Olympics. Um, that would be something I think would take a, a longer time, I think, because um, they look at the rankings first and I think top 60 women get to go. Um, so that's something I think that I, really want to pursue, but we'll see if it takes me there. Um, and then personally, I think, well, right now, so um, recently, I think the past three months, I've been working with a sports psychologist and that's something that I've never done before. And I think um, it, he's really helped me, I think, get a grip on what really motivates me, how I can help push myself to my limit. Because sometimes, you know, training like who really wants to push themselves past their limit you know you get to a certain a certain point and you're like okay I think that's enough for me like I can I can improve even at this point but it's that extra little like push that you have that you really need to you know um, I think push yourself to pass the limit so you can you know get a little better every day and I think that's something that I've really been working on um, it doesn't have to be necessarily something uh, like up taking a big step or improving by, by a lot but just even like improving a little bit and knowing that you put in all your effort every day to make yourself, you know, um, a better person or someone that you want to be in the future. Um, having taking one step towards that is already a win for me. Yeah. And, and as we get ready, you know, for now, people around here might not know this, but it's summer in certain parts of the world right now, and they're mm -hmm. getting ready to play a lot of tennis, hopefully, including the Australian swing. Um, do you have any tournaments set up, lined up here as we get ready to go into December and towards the new year? Or are you just kind of um, day by day? Um, so the December is usually my um, off-season training block. So I'm going to be in Hong Kong training for that. But um, I was initially um, going to try to sign up for some of the Australian tournaments. But they, I think they're having um, some quarantine difficulties because they, they're saying that they're not allowing any foreigners to enter Australia until um, January. So um, the tournaments start in January. So I think people were planning to go earlier in December to quarantine for two weeks and then play the tournament. But now that um, that's an issue that it might be tougher for um, people to travel. So I don't, I'm not 100% sure that I'll be able to, you know, travel to those tournaments. But there's another uh, local tournament that's going to be going on, I think, end of December. So hopefully I'll be able to play in that because um, I think Hong Kong now, like we've been doing, doing pretty well, but we're kind of going through another wave of um, more cases now. So things are starting to, you know, shut down a little bit and people are trying are being more skeptical about like, you know, being outside and like um, see if, seeing if um, sports events can keep going on. So I think that's still something that's pretty up in the air, pretty uncertain for now. Yeah. So, so was, was, March until most recently, the last three weeks, mm -hmm. was that the longest period of time that you had gone without playing a competitive tournament in, in your life? 
Yes. Well, actually, I was I was saying earlier that um, I I think after I got back from the U.S. that I didn't actually pick up a racket for two months because um, okay. I was quarantining at home and then um, all the tennis courts were all shut. So we couldn't really like train at all. Um, and I was saying like the first time I picked up my tennis racket to you know start learning like um, lessons and taking and um, taking lessons like this was probably the longest time that I haven't played tennis like for, since I like first started playing when I was like seven or <laughs> so so I was, I was like wow this is like this is so weird and I, I kind of felt like a little jittery sometimes that I wanted to play but at the same time I think it was I guess if you look at it differently that I I, I think it was nice for me to take a break because I was traveling so much and playing you know training and my body was kind of going through like not injuries but just little you know little injuries like here and there and I it was good for me to take a break yeah and and these tournaments that you played recently was everyone in the same boat in terms of like you know no one had competed you know for for, for like was, was everyone just kind of returning to competition or had some people been return already been, been competing um yeah so I think most people like um a lot of the players that did play in this tournament are actually some of my teammates that we trained together um and all that so a lot of us just really was our first tournament that we played coming back from, you know, March or, or February. Um, and because this was um, a local like Hong Kong tournament, a lot of, you know, other like coaches would play um, younger teenagers, younger juniors. Um, so it was like a big, I think a big group of like different levels. So it was nice to see everyone just excited to come out and play again. Cause I think, especially before when um, tennis courts were closed, like no one could really pick up a racket. And I think everyone really missed, you know, coming out and seeing people competing and just having fun. Yeah. Now, now, most importantly, did you identify any younger players that uh, Coach Free should be talking to? Some. I'll Some. let him know. I'll send him a list. Okay. I'll be scouting. No problem. Because, <laughs> you, you know, you're on the recruiting payroll, you know, so yeah. we, have to, <laughs> we, have to, we have to make sure we continue to, uh, to find those hidden gems. Yeah, I definitely will let Coach Free know. <laughs> <laughs> so so Eunice, first first and foremost we appreciate you spending so much time with us and we're getting towards the end but before we get there we got to ask you a couple things mm -hmm. first thing is as someone who ended up in middletown that may you know have not otherwise ended up in middletown what would you tell the current wesleyan student athlete something that you know now that maybe you didn't know when you first strolled into Middletown and walked into the Freeman Center before your face was plastered all over the entrance of the Freeman Center, <laughs> if I will, by the way. I knew you before I knew you tonight. I knew you by seeing you every time I walk into that building, just in case. Um, does this have to be about the campus or just... No, know? I want to know what your experience at Wesleyan kind of taught you that you would tell you know, incoming freshmen, things that you know now that you didn't know when you were 18 years old. Oh, Pieces question. of advice, something that you would tell them, some knowledge, some wisdom. Um, I think, well, first thing definitely was Middletown is a lot colder than I expected. Did not, <laughs> if you're coming from an Asian country and somewhere that's warm, like the entire year, you gotta be ready for that. Um, but in all honesty, I think for me, I think, um, just, I think treasuring a lot of the friendships that you make at Wesleyan, because I think sometimes 
um, when I first got there and, you know, I was, I was meeting a lot of different people. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, you meet people and they're more acquaintances than friends, but I think just to make sure that even like when you do um, meet different people that you're actually genuinely like, you know, trying to keep these friendships and because some of these friendships, like I know are going to last in your lifetime. And, you know, like a lot of these people that like I have met through either tennis or through other um, groups or little clubs that I've joined at Wesley. And like, I, a lot of these people I would never have met if I weren't, you know, at Wesleyan or I didn't decide to join these clubs. And I think that's something that, you know, really, you really have to treasure because I think, you know, at Wesleyan, there's such a big diversity of different groups of people that have different interests, like not just like people who do sports, but people who are very, you know, love like arts and film and theater. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's hard to find like such a big group of people who have such different interests um, in your life, just like, cause usually once you start working, like everyone's kind of in the same, um, like like if you're doing finance, everyone's kind of like in the similar like group of like finance and like you, like interests seem to be like like pretty like similar. And I think at Wesleyan, like we can find such a big group of different people who um, are interested in different things. And I think that's something that you can really try to explore and just to make sure that, you know, you, st you still keep in touch with these people. Coach, I think it's that time. What do you think? I think she's ready. All right, Judas. We do something here at the end of every episode. You'll oh, be, no. I think, the seventh or eighth person who's had to deal with this, okay? We call it the, we call it the gauntlet. We're going to ask you some questions. Some mm -hmm. of them are going to be pretty easy. Some mm -hmm. of them are going to be easier. Some of them are going to be hard. We're not going <laughs> to tell you, you know, which order that's going to happen in. But Coach and I are going to bounce back and forth. We don't want you to think it too hard. Just kind of throw out whatever you think first when we ask you the questions, okay? Rapid fire, 10 questions. Here we go. Start off with an easy one. Who was your favorite professor at Wesleyan? <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, why you made me? That's not an easy question. How's that an easy question? <laughs> um, I really enjoyed um, Professor Sarah Carney's class. Nice. Good answer. Go. Who was the most influential person in your life? My mom. What What was the most interesting job you've had? It could be high school, college. What What's been your most interesting job you've ever had? Um, I interned at a sports recruiting agency, a boutique one, and I think that's something that. I really enjoyed. Um, I had to translate a lot of English to Chinese, um, write emails to different players, try recruiting them um, for scouting. And I think that's something that I actually might end up pursuing after tennis as well. Nice. That's a great answer. If you were forced to cheer for one of these two, who would it be? Amherst or Williams? Amherst. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that answer. <laughs> No, I think most maybe people would answer that. <laughs> uh, when you were five years old, what'd you want to be when you grew up? A singer. Singer. Okay. What's the best piece of advice you re you've received in your life? Um, to stay in the present and not <clears throat> not look too much into the future because you can never um, go back into the present again. But the future you can always change. Very good. Um, in three words, 
describe your Wesleyan experience? Humbling. <laughs> um, humbling. Genuine. And exciting. Nice. What is the thing you most miss about Wesleyan? I miss having everyone in the same place and being able to just meet up whenever you want. Because I think especially for me, I live in Hong Kong and that's literally across that's the world. Yeah. So I think what I miss most, I think I didn't take advantage of was really, um, you know, realizing that all my friends, all my teammates, everyone was in such close proximity and everyone was just there, you know, you hang out and you send them a text and like, okay, meet you there in five minutes, you know, can't do that anymore now. So I think that's something that I really do miss a lot. Yeah. Well, I, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to, I'll ask it anyways. <laughs> What's the best Wesleyan highlight from the last 20 years? Um, the last match. I think the last match, the, um, the finals that I played against Victoria, that was one of the biggest highlights, I think, of my entire um, career at Wesleyan. Okay, and then, and then for Wesleyan as a whole, for Wesleyan University, what do you think is one of the biggest highlights for Wesleyan University? You know, it could be anything. It can be sports, can be, you know, an accomplishment, can be, can be anything that, that uh, has to do with Wesleyan. Winning, what women's tennis, women national <laughs> champion. Yes, yes. yes. Oh. <laughs> there you go. Oh, if everyone could see that double fist pump celebration <laughs> we're getting on Skype. What a response! That was natural. That was from the bones. Okay, yeah. last one, and then you are done. Are you ready? Yeah. Who is the West alum, past or present, that you would most like to have one dinner with? Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> Coach, I want to know what goes in. I want to know what goes through his mind. I think it's so amazing, like, what he does. Like, I just want to <laughs> nitpick at everything he does. Coach, as a neutral, I'm disappointed. <laughs> Lin-Manuel Miranda is getting way more checks in the box than, so many. <laughs> than Coach Mike Whalen right now. And I don't know. Well, well Eunice and I have already had dinner together. So, you know. Yeah. Okay, fair. Fair <laughs> response. Yes. Yes. Fair yes. response. Well, well, look, I, coach, I know, I know personally, I appreciate it. You know, I'll, I'll leave this for you. Cause I know you have a, a close relationship, but I just want to say, you know, first and foremost, you just from one tennis person to another, it's been great to finally get a tennis person on this show. And I, I certainly appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And you just, I have two things. Number one is now that you know, Chris, the next time you come to campus, I'm going to make you embarrass him on the tennis court. That's number one. Okay. That's number one. And number two is, is we miss you. We, 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 you know, your name comes up so often on our campus. We are so incredibly proud of everything, not just what you accomplished while you were here, but what you continue to, to, to uh, accomplish uh, in your post Wesleyan life. And uh, you know, you always represent yourself, your family, you know, our university, in a first-class manner, and uh, I've just enjoyed our relationship and wish you nothing but the very best. Thank you. I miss you guys, too. I wish I was back to see you guys again soon, hopefully. I'll soon. Again. That's right. That's Bye. right. Soon. Yeah. Co Coach Freed's still trying to figure out that extra year of eligibility for you. <laughs>
So, okay, we got to close. We got to close. You want to give, we, I want you to give a message to Coach Freed. What do you, what do you want to, what do you want Coach Freed to hear at, at the end of this, at the end of this uh, podcast? I want Coach Reed to ask for help when he needs it because sometimes he takes everything on by himself um, and he, tell him to stay very calm, smell some lavender, you know, <laughs> relax. Everything will be okay. Everything will run its course. And just to thank him for, for giving me such an amazing experience at Wesleyan and also just to take care of everyone there now. And I'm sure he already does a very good job of doing. Yeah. Great. Great. Well, again, Eunice, thanks so much for taking the time tonight and, and all the best to you and your family. And uh, we look forward to uh, continuing to follow you and, and, uh, and can't wait to, you, to come back to campus and see us. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the voice of my future mixed doubles partner. She is a four-time <laughs> NCAA singles champion, a one-time NCAA doubles champion, and simply put, the greatest Division three women's tennis player of all time. Wesleyan class of 2018. That's right, Yudis Chong, our guest tonight. I'd like to thank Yudis one more time. I'd like to thank the producer, Mike O'Brien, for sitting there and looking pretty. And I'd like to thank the coach, Mike Whalen, as always. I'm Chris Grace. Until next time, you've been listening to Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score. So long, everybody. <laughs>